0: Thank you. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Verne joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hey, y'all. Welcome, ladies. It's Tuesday. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a little bit earlier in the week that we are recording the show because we are going to Fargo and Steimer is going to Europe. Yeah. What's Good Games is... Traveling this weekend And we hope that we are going to see you there We have a fantastic show planned for you We've got a special guest interview With Lindsay from The Sims team Talking about their big university announcement this week And we've got hands-on impressions of The Outer Worlds Which just came out Which we're very excited to talk about But before we get to any of that We've got some housekeeping we'd like to go over with you guys As you guys may have seen on social media We are promoting our Extra Life event that's happening in Fargo, North Dakota, yes, my hometown, this weekend. In fact, today, Friday, October 25th, is our meet and greet, and we have very special guest, Joey Noel from Kind of Funny, joining us. She is flying in, and I am so pumped to show both her and you, Brit's uh the the glamour the glitz that is fargo okay
1: so fiargo we're going to fiargo so like on a scale from one to ten one being like wild west and then one to ten being like new york like where, the, where does fargo sit like i'm thinking like red dead redemption town what, wow is it one?
0: it's wow. not bonanzaville i mean that's like a, a museum or it used to be that's um, why here's it's a, number one here's the thing um it's probably like a seven. Oh, okay yeah, it's not like big metropolitan city, but I mean, it's a it's a bustling little metro. Mm-hmm. I know that North Dakota as a whole is a pretty small state population-wise, but uh, it's a hub. You know, there's a lot happening. The Fargo-Moorhead metro, Fargo-Moorhead area is what we call it, that includes, uh, you know, a bunch of smaller cities all kind of clumped together. But yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. Fargo is getting pretty hip, so it's going to be fun. been happening. Yeah, and it's Halloween weekend, so it's oh even better. God.
1: Oh, I need a costume! Crap. I
0: know. I haven't thought of a costume yet. Hopefully, by the time the podcast airs, I will have picked something. Britt and I were talking the other day about how we just are, like to go into random Halloween stores and just pick something off the rack. Don't yeah. even think about it. Just be like, that one looks
2: fine. I feel and like I never, like, I right. never do that. I never. If I don't have a costume, I just don't go anywhere.
0: <laughs> Granted, you just I don't plan anything. I just don't usually
2: go anywhere to begin with. That's probably what it is. Huh? Yeah. Uh,
0: interesting. Well, then, um, we should change that. You should come here, and we should get dressed up. Actually, I was going to say I you mean, could I'll come here, gone. but you'll be gone. <laughs> I I'll I gone. I actually spent Halloween in Nice one year. Technically, we went to uh, Monaco. Hmm. I would not recommend. It was not fun. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> well, shit. Maybe not for that. I studied abroad in Monaco. It was a great place. Yeah, no, I mean, for Halloween. Yeah, for Halloween. Yeah. No. But yeah, no, yeah,
0: they very much like all the really fancy people were very much like not into doing anything for Halloween. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, well. and we were like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll just you know hang out and try to be fancy too. <laughs> it sort Do of worked fancy out for, for us. Fun yeah exactly Um, but we hope you come out and see us Um, all of the details are up on our social media accounts but just as a reminder from 7 to 10 p.m. central time at Barcode on Friday night we are going to be hanging out having drinks uh, talking about video games and all the other nerdy stuff we love so please come on down and say hi I know some of you have reached out and said hey I'm kind of nervous about coming by myself or I'm not sure if I'm going to make the drive Um, I would just encourage you to push yourself out of your comfort zone and you will make friendships that are Hopefully things that go on And last like we love hearing From our friends in the UK that all became Friends after meeting each other At our UK London meetup That we did back in May so you never Know who you're going to meet and um, We don't know if the three of us uh, Joey Britt and I are going to be back in Fargo again Together anytime in the near future So, I mean, you might miss your chance. You should come. It's going to be great. And then you can stay for our giant Extra Life event that's happening Saturday, October 26th, starting at 12 noon central time. And it's running until 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it is also going to be live streamed, of course, on all of our uh, video platforms. So, twitch.tv slash what's good games. YouTube.com slash what's good games are great places to watch it. And I believe we're also adding in mixer.com slash what's good games. Um, Streaming to all the places It's going to be such a fun time We have all kinds of shenanigans planned Uh, We're bringing in some local streamers To do some fun stuff with us As I mentioned, Joey's going to be there Uh, Rihanna Manuel's going to be there Uh, My friend Susu Dip is going to be there It's going to be a great time And we've come up with some pretty ridiculous (laughs) donation punishments <laughs> <laughs> that I'm gonna keep secret for now uh. but <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> who knows maybe Benandria Renee will make an appearance who could say I, not I because I don't know <laughs> But he's like not me. So if you can't make it out to Fargo to come on down to E Games Central from twelve to six uh, Central, please tune in on the streams and support us that way. Uh, we are trying to raise money, of course, for the big beautiful kids as part of Team Kind of Funny. We're of course partnering with our friends over there uh, because we're stronger together, and we thought it would make more sense instead of us breaking off and starting our own team to just pair up with um, some friends of ours. So that's what we're going to do, and we're super excited that Joey's able to come, and Simer will be asleep on a plane.
2: I sure will. Or I'll be awake on a plane. But I'll be on a plane either way. Not able to watch the stream. Correct. We'll be thinking of you in spirit. Yes. Yeah, so oh, we you, need you to were...
1: get that cardboard cut out.
2: Yeah, I was just about to say, Brittany's got a cardboard cut out she's, she's going to have of me.
1: I'll oh, work on it.
2: Did, did, I was like, did you make this happen? That's no, amazing. No, we'll we'll I see, haven't. But we'll now see if, I'm obligated. if it happens. We'll but now I you feel can, like you
0: need to. Yeah, you can almost get anything like... Shipped overnight via the
2: internet, as long as you're willing to
0: pay a premium
2: for it. This <laughs> is expensive. Or you can literally just draw on a box. Like I'm sure people have Amazon boxes there. I'm sure Andrea, your family has an Amazon box lying around.
1: But here's the problem: just... is that they, there would just be a box next to us, like on the couch, and it would look nothing like you. So those two needed would be like, I mean, the is, is a box? car
2: I mean, yeah, it's not supposed to look like Well
0: little...
2: Okay, it's I got weird. you. Hammered.
1: You'll be there in one way, shape, or form, simer Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're excited for that. Um, and of course, uh, we want to give a giant shout out and thank you to everybody who has taken the time over the last few weeks when we've been reading one star reviews <laughs> to leave a very funny or sweet or kind or thoughtful five star review. There have been so many of them coming in since we've uh, you know started doing this bit. And it's just like, it gives me all the feels. You guys are so nice.
1: It's really nice. There are some pretty good one star reviews that I was going to pull for this week. But I was like, you know what? Nah, let's just thank everyone who's given us the five star reviews. You guys are awesome. And we're seeing the fruits of your labor in our podcast rankings.
0: So thank you. Yeah, it means a lot to us. As we say every week, uh, we know that not everybody can financially contribute to the show. And it's one way um, to help us out by just taking a few moments of your time to go into your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a nice review. Okay, let's. Give a nice big thank you and shout out to this month's Patreon producers, Alex Rogopoulos, Chewy's Godson, Faris Ate, David Icolucci, and Mohammed Mohammed. And welcome to Patreon.com/slash What's Good Games. Jason Baloney, Brady Elhard. Oh, I should say welcome back. <laughs> um, mm. Andy H, Lauren N G. No N G. How do you pronounce that? Ning. I don't ning. know. Ning. Yeah. Mm, uh, ning. I think
2: it depends. But yeah, I think ning. so. Ning. We're hmm. bad. Hmm. Peter Yitterstrom? <laughs> Yitterstorm? So the O had the two little dots on top of it,
1: but I didn't know how to do that on our ignorant American keyboards. So, yeah. Yitterstorm. Jitter,
0: Yitterstorm. I was going to mess it up no matter what. And it sounds Sam like Zielke. It sounds like the name of an RPG move. Yitterstorm. does
1: indeed.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's it for housekeeping. Let's get into the news. This week, our first story is all about the Outer Worlds and how the embargo has lifted. So we are obviously recording the show on Tuesday when the embargo lifted. It's now Friday when the game is out. Hopefully you're playing it or you're planning to play it because it's super fun. Um, Britt, you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, so currently this is recorded, like you said, on Tuesday the 22nd. So as of right now, on PS4, it's sitting at an 86, Xbox One is at an 85, and PC it is at an 82. And obviously we'll talk about this a lot more in the next segment, but I thought it would be fun to pull some quotes and just kind of, you know, bask in the glory that is The Outer Worlds, because I'm having an awesome time. So from GameSpot, they said, The Outer Worlds is consistently compelling throughout, and it's a superb example of how to promote traditional RPG sensibilities in a sharp Modern experience. Game Informer had this to say The team at Obsidian excels at encouraging creative experimentation within its responsive and absurd setting, ensuring that every visit to Halcyon is full of delightful surprises. Indestructoid said Despite some nominal issues that might be easier for some to hand wave than others, Obsidian has outfallouted recent Fallout
0: efforts. <laughs> wow. Outfallouted recent Fallout out-fall-out efforts. Out-fall-out.
1: Yeah, it's really cool to see this game getting so well received, and I'm excited to talk about it in the next segment.
0: Yeah. Hooray. I like it when games do well and people are happy.
1: It's a rare occasion on the internet, but it when it just sure happens, is. it feels yeah, really it nice.
2: It's a nice little feel-good time.
1: Except for that and Greg feel... Miller who's underwhelmed by it. What's that all about?
2: Well, Something. I know I mean, why. I that's not surprising. He doesn't really... He always says he likes those games, and then he never does.
1: <laughs> to be no, fair, I, I haven't heard his reasoning. I'm just giving our friendship. But
0: yeah, he said he was going to talk about it on on Games Cast this week, and it kind of made me a little sad that I'm no longer doing kind of funny Games Cast um, because I definitely would have gone toe to toe with him. But he's not wrong that there's a few things. You know, we'll get into this. I'll, I'll put a pin in it. There's not wrong. He's not wrong. That there's a few things that feel kind of trapped in time. Um but my counter argument is but if they do it real good, who cares? <laughs> so Yeah, um, I mean good RPGs, you don't need to reinvent the formula. You just gotta make it polished. So. Thank you. And the game is polished. Um, all right. So congratulations to Private Division and Obsidian on their first brand new IP under their new Microsoft overlords. Technically, this was the last game, part of their um, previous publishing um, arrangement. And now everything will be published, I believe, underneath um, Microsoft. I don't know
2: how they're going to work Xbox that. Game Studios. Yes. yes, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how they're going to work that with uh, Private Division if they make a sequel. Maybe they'll
2: like split it or something. They, they may have a, it's in that so, contract. Fee. Yeah, I was, I was about to say it may be something in the contract where like Private Division has publishing rights to that IP. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, mm-hmm. I guess we will find out, won't we? we yeah, will. unless
0: Microsoft wants to buy them out of it, which I guess they could. Which they definitely which have they the should. pockets for. So yeah, yeah, they can do it. Um. Okay. Next up. Overwatch two, comma Diablo four, leaked? Question comma mark there? No, there's no comma there. I was doing it for dramatic effect, okay? But that
2: is grammatically incorrect. (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. No comma, Andrea.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, so I love that Brittany wrote in the show notes, most don't comment on rumors or speculation, but we do, baby. Damn right. we're not the PR team. That's (laughs) true. We're not. We're What's Good Games. Uh, So GameSpot writes, BlizzCon, the annual gaming convention held by World of Warcraft developer Blizzard Entertainment, kicks off now. Next week on November 1st, the rumor mill has already begun to swirl ahead of the event with leaks and rumors pointing towards the upcoming announcement for new games in both the Diablo and Overwatch series. An advertisement for a book called The Art of Diablo was recently published in the latest issue of the German magazine GameStar, inadvertently revealing that a Diablo 4 announcement might be on the horizon. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Um, yo, it's BlizzCon. They did a tease about Diablo 4 last year. We know that we're probably getting an official Diablo 4 announcement this year. All right. I just had to get that off my chest. It's not that big of a scoop is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Um, continuing on. The ad says that the book features over 500 artworks from Diablo, Diablo 2, II, Diablo 3, and Diablo 4. A Diablo 4 reveal wouldn't be too surprising considering Blizzard has previously, previously said that it has multiple Diablo projects in the works. The one we know about is Diablo Immortal, the upcoming mobile game. The art of Diablo is currently available to pre-order on Amazon with a listed release date of November 3rd, the final day of this year's Blizz- BlizzCon. Hmm, I wonder if they're going to be selling it or giving it away there. Probably. Mm, probably. Twitch streamer Metro... Sorry David, cut you off. Twitch streamer Metro says Diablo 4 and a remaster of Diablo 2 will be announced at BlizzCon. He also posted a series of tweets detailing the potential reveal of Overwatch 2. Normally, leaks and rumors spread around Twitter are to be taken with a grain of salt, but Metro has a track record of leaking Blizzard and Overwatch news after he revealed new hero Ash a week before the official announcement at last year's BlizzCon. Metro says his source is revealed as this year's BlizzCon. Wait, hold on. I skipped the line. Metro says his source is someone tied directly to a Blizzard dev and notes that Overwatch 2 will be revealed at this year's BlizzCon after a short cinematic featuring heroes including Mei, Tracer, Winston, and a younger Genji. He adds that a potential sequel will include both PvE and PvP and the new leveling system will change certain abilities for each
2: hero. This is the part that grinds my gears. Tell us. Tell us all about it. Metro saying a source is someone tied directly to a Blizzard dev. It pisses me off. It irritates me to no end when, like, someone internally or someone's internally's wife or husband or someone or other is, like, ruining shit for people just because. And, like, that's the thing I do not understand. And I will never understand. I don't understand why you can't just keep your mouth shut and, like, Don't say anything, maybe, especially not to somebody who is clearly going to talk about it on the Internet. Like, I just feel for teams when not necessarily like Ash being, you know, leaked a week before, like all those things, you create so many assets, you work really hard towards this launch. And then because someone is just a blabbermouth that gets out everywhere and your whole thing is, it's not ruined entirely, but man, it takes the wind out of your sails. And it's just a bummer. Um, so this I don't think is quite the same because, as you've said before, they've already talked like or teased that they're working on some of these things. But anyways, just irritating. <laughs>
1: I everyone miss the, everyone be quiet. <laughs> I miss the pre-internet E3 years, you know, when shit would actually surprise you. It was just a good old time. But yeah, like so Diablo 4, like, OK, I mean, granted, I did think we were getting that announcement last year. I think a lot of people did, which is why... Yeah, the reaction was just a little. eh. And then Jason Schreier put up a really great article last year too. Shortly after, I think it was BlizzCon, where he talked about kind of what went wrong behind the scenes and how it was scrapped. the The first version of Diablo, and if his sources are correct, this Diablo 4 has been in development since 2016, and they're trying to go a deeper, like not deeper, like a darker route with this, and maybe throwing in some. Now this was last year, so darker than the devil. Well, darker in the sense. So this was apparently a thing, right? Is a lot of people thought that Diablo three felt kind of cartoony in some sense. Oh, hello kitty felt uh, a little oh, dark is the in problem some senses. My door open. Ugh, sorry. Oh no! I mean, you just have such a fluffy fat cat in your arms. It's terrible. But apparently, yeah, they, they want to go like get rid of the cartoony vibe a bit and just go real dark, dirty, not dirty grizzly, and like. Rawr, rawr. You mean art style wise? I don't. It sounds like the like the tone overall. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, kind of interesting. So yeah, Diablo 4, of, of course. Overwatch 2, um, I I mean, I don't follow Overwatch 2, but is that surprising? Is that a surprising announcement?
0: That, t- that is surprising if- to me. I think that we probably would have had a little bit more of an indication of what... Um, you know, Blizzard's next move is with Overwatch because it is a live service game and they do update it quite frequently. I think we always knew that Overwatch 2 was uh, inevitable because you have to iterate. And I thought... I
2: thought there was like an Overwatch 2 leak before. I haven't been paying too much attention to Overwatch similar to uh, Brit, but...
1: I think what... Would kind of like what I was saying last week. You know, the, these hero shooters don't get me all hot and bothered. But if there is some PVE element, or if there is some, if they take these characters and maybe put them in a new story-driven game or something, that could be interesting to me. But I, I, I don't know. Like, does Overwatch Two make sense, or can they just keep building on the original Overwatch? Right. Well,
0: if they're going to be adding PVE components, then they definitely would benefit from launching Overwatch Two, right? And kind of marketing it as, "Hey, we've changed Overwatch. We've heard from you guys. We heard that you want more narrative. We heard that you want more, you know, team-based cooperative experiences." Because I think now. It's to a place where it's like they've kind of plateaued, and they're not. There's a lot of people that have left Overwatch that would maybe be enticed to come back and try it out again if there was more PVE components. Um, I'm one of those people. I mean, I play a little bit of PVP in Destiny, but I play Destiny because of the PVE gameplay. And if something like Overwatch had that, I would be really excited to jump in there and check it out because I've always wanted to, you know, be more into playing that game. But I just you know, I just I get frustrated, you know, because you have to spend so much time practicing all of the individual heroes, and then your team comp matters so much, and sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you really get unlucky with team comp, um, and so it's hard to know, but I am pulling up a story here from Digital Trends back in June, I think it was earlier this year, or wait, wait, did it autocorrect? I thought it was from June, talking about Overwatch 2. Somebody uh, saying that there was mention of it back then.
1: Too. Yeah. Mm. I agree. I think if they do a PvE-style game, it would make sense to call it something, it, its own thing. Don't call it, like, you know Overwatch PvE. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a really bad title. That would be. This is why I don't name <laughs> video games. That's why but I yeah, just no, I, about
2: them. I do agree. I would be excited to play some Overwatch PvE because the only few the few times I've played it, um, I really enjoyed a lot of the gameplay elements. But as you said, Andrea, for me, like competitive had to have stuff has never been my cup of tea and also it's just way there's just way too many factors with other people that I don't want to deal with but I would happily play a lot of that in a PvE scenario mm-hmm
1: and then also worth mentioning Metro said Diablo 2 remaster will be coming so if you believe this Metro guy or girl apparently a Diablo 2 remaster will be announced which would be fucking awesome and Dual Shockers just had a little tidbit because I think the BlizzCon schedule went live just a few hours ago. And they said the opening keynote was also surely set to contain more surprises than just some potential Diablo 4 reveal. As seen on the official BlizzCon 2019 schedule, there are currently six panels set to take place across Friday and Saturday that have yet to be revealed. These panels will likely be related to game announcements that Blizzard won't make until next Friday. So hey.
0: No one's surprised. That, that makes that makes sense because I'm sure after everything that happened with them, with um, the over or not the Overwatch, but the Hearthstone stuff, that they are probably triaging how they're going to run. (laughs) Also, like, let's talk about what they're going to do about what happened with last year's Diablo Q&A. That guy talking about it being an April Fool's joke and how rude that was. We talked about that last year Um, And so I'm guessing after everything that happened with the Diablo fiasco at BlizzCon, coupled with everything that they've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks, I would imagine that they've probably, you know, changed tactics with how they normally run BlizzCon to say, hey, you know, we should probably do some things differently this year just to protect ourselves. Um, It'll be interesting to watch. And just to confirm, Jason Schreier did write a story on June 6th. With um, a headline that says, sources say Blizzard cancels StarCraft first-person shooter to focus on Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. So, clearly not the first that we're hearing about about either of these titles. Yeah,
1: it's going to be tricky because I think, obviously, what the people want is just transparency from devs. And I think right now there's this idea that Blizzard could still be good guy indie, but evil overlord Activision is making them do these things they don't want to do. And it's going to be – there's just so much going into this BlizzCon. Obviously, you don't want the Q&A thing that happened last year because, like, granted, all well, that wasn't, like, violent and, like, terrible. I mean, people did get death threats, and that does suck. No one was, like, hurt or injured. But this year, you know, it's just that thing where there's all these protests and these organized demonstrations that are going to be taking place outside of BlizzCon. How does Blizzard handle this? Sure, they can go in and say, hey, we have Diablo 4, we have Overwatch 2, we have all these really cool game announcements, and that's going to please 90% of the people who aren't following what's happening outside of that. Mm-hmm. But, but then, you know, you do have the people who are going to be like, that's, that's not good enough because, but what do you expect them to do? Like, this is why I'm so happy I'm not in charge of their shit right now. I mean, I wouldn't know it's that. Ugh. Makes me clench just thinking about it.
0: <laughs> no? Like, how do you plan for that shit? Yeah, no. Like I I feel I feel you. Like I get it. Um you don't. You you can do you can do media training, you know? I mean, like I mean it would be interesting to hear you know from PR specialists about like, hey, like if you have like a a director who normally goes really off topic, or if you have fans that are going to ask you about microtransactions, like, you know, like to be a fly on the wall in the room where they talk about, like, how they're going to combat that stuff. Like, I mean, I just think about the poor, like, EA public relations team and how, like, they have been dealing with the same questions and the same you know responses and forum posts and everything for like the last two years since battlefront 2 launched, oh, yeah. <laughs> and just being like okay so we, we've got a big event happening you know this is how we're going to handle these questions and this and this and just kind of like hear their strategy so
1: i would just tell people to turn, turn around and run away just run don't even look back naruto run the yeah. fuck out of there <laughs> that would be one way to deal
0: with it <laughs> You, you know did if media training best. at one point, didn't you, Stimer? Did yeah, you have to do PR. media training? Yeah, yeah, I media, I media trained people. So, like, how do you guys? Do you have any like fun stories that you can say about like how you guys would plan for media training for for like a game launch or like a game reveal or anything? I mean, it's
2: nothing like super sexy to be quite honest with you. It's a lot of like, okay, here are your main talking points. The minute it devolves past these things, you either try to redirect. Uh, And say, hey, I'm not here to talk about that right now. I'm here to talk to you about whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if they are persistent, that's when the PR team can step in and cut the interview short.
3: Um, If the person is being
2: like, it really depends. Usually you don't, but there are certain cases where you would um, if it's getting like aggressive on some level. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then a lot of the times, like, you kind of have to just roll with it. And either if you have a good relationship with that person after, work with them on uh you, you can like try and i don't know get better answers to them if like the person's completely nervous and fucking up all of their answers <laughs> but like but yeah. no, it really it's just super <laughs> super dependent on the situation and ideally that doesn't happen but like um, it's
1: tricky when it's live q a
2: too the live q a is infinitely harder than anything mm. else i would probably i would think they aren't doing them this that would be my my guess would be you just don't Offer it, Like, because that's the only way to be safe in this situation um, is to not give people the mic because you don't or you're going to have to pre-screen everybody and just hope right. that they don't get up there and go rogue, which, right. again, you can't control. So I think if they're looking to have a safe space this year, they're probably eliminating as much as they can of the unknown factor. And a lot of that unknown factor is, unfortunately, community involvement. So, we'll see how it goes. I, I feel for them, and I know that this is going to be a difficult BlizzCon for them. Um, so, Godspeed, all of you. Yeah. And I'm actually excited
1: to see more from Diablo Immortal. Just saying. I'm not, I don't I'm that.
2: excited to see yeah. whatever the, you know, obviously we know two of them, but like, what are the other <laughs> things that Blizzard's working on? It'd be really interesting to hear about.
1: Yeah. I'll be watching from the safe distance across the internet.
2: Ah, <laughs> yes. The safety internet. You'll just be like wrapped up in a blanket with some popcorn.
1: Oh yeah, hair in a high ponytail. It's gonna be great.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that sounds good. I thought about driving down there, but
2: yeah, nah. that just sounds <laughs> kind of like a garbage fire. I think home would be best. Yeah,
0: yeah, because then I can be in my onesie, mm, my exactly. mandy's onesie. Um. All right, next story, Steimer. You want to take this one?
2: Sure. Steam's Remote Play Together feature enters beta today. This comes to us from Polygon. A few weeks ago, Valve announced an upcoming Steam feature for fans of local multiplayer games like Towerfall Ascension or Nidhogg. Instead of forcing players to invite their real-life friends over to play video (laughs) games with them in person, which I know, like, majorly sucks, uh, players can now connect over the internet through the new Remote Play Together feature. This new feature hits Steam's beta program today. In the announcement, Valve revealed up to four, and sometimes more, mm-hmm. players can join a remote play lobby together to experience local co-op, local multiplayer, and shared split-screen games. The best part is that, the, is that only the hosting player needs to own whatever the game in the group is that's playing. Uh, The process of setting up Remote Play Together is very simple. First, players need to opt into the Steam beta. Then you need to go uh, and launch a local multiplayer game, which will open the friends menu and then select the new Remote Play Together icon and start playing. Each player's input should behave as if it's plugged into your computer, Valve said. And the uh, game is displayed to your pals, not to your desktop. Over the uh, beta period, Valve intends to stabilize the network connection and optimize it to work better across uh, different hardware and Steam remote play anywhere is available now, as we've said, in beta. So in beta, if you have friends that don't live near you and you want to play these games because they are mighty fun, you can now play together, which is really nice.
1: I think it's really cool, yeah. So I did some scouring to see what games... Because the idea is that this feature will work with any local co-op game. But some of the reviews of people playing this beta with the games I've found so far has been Rayman Origins, Towerfall Extension, Spelunky, Enter the Gungeon, Cuphead, and Killer Queen Black. And so far, all the uh, impressions have been great. So I think this is awesome. I mean now nowadays, most games I feel like only offer online co-op unless it is a smaller, you know, indie title. But a lot of those are some of the best co-op experiences you can have. So, you know, if you have friends that you've made that don't live near you and maybe you just didn't clean your house that night. Maybe there's your litter box stinks. I don't know. Yeah, All you have to man. do is use this this thing. Now this isn't the first um program or app or third party whatever to do this sort of thing. I've heard of Parsec before and I think Playstation has like their own version of it. But what's neat about this is, unless that is what PlayStation uses, I don't know. But what's neat about this is that it's built and integrated, integrated specifically for Valve and Steam. So that's cool. You did it. You did a cool thing, friends.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I also, I, yeah, I think this is great. And I, there's definitely been those games where it's like, and we're local co-op because this is how, like, we intend for it to be played. And I'm like, what but if what I... if I don't have friends? or Or you do have friends i do have friends that are near me yeah so it's like uh, yeah or like what if my house isn't particularly comfortable or i have yeah like there's just so many scenarios where you may want to play with someone but yeah not like that it's a good thing ladies and gentlemen it's always good to have options i say
1: more Mm. options the merrier yes and then finally Speaking of S- options. Yeah. The Sims 4 Gets College and Juice Pong. This comes from Kotaku. The Sims 4 College Expansion Pack, Discover University, is coming to PC on November 15th and consoles on December 17th. Simmers, such a funny word, Simmers everywhere can now breathe a deep sigh of relief that one of the most longed-for expansion packs is soon to arrive. Discover University comes with a new world. Oh, my God. Brightchester? Bright- Brightchester. Oh, yeah. Brightchester. I was, yeah, I was reading that all wrong. Brightchester. Oh. <laughs> I was like, bright Tech Chester, where Sims Worcestershire, can en- sister. Worcestershire sauce. Okay, where Sims can enroll in either the Ivy League-flavored <laughs> University of Worcestershire sauce or the tech-focused Foxbury Academy. Along with including options for Sims to live in dorms and go to classes, this pack will also come with three new careers to choose from, law, teaching, and engineering. Oh, and Sims can also play Juice Pong.
2: I thought I saw a screenshot of someone doing like a... A keg stand? A keg stand, though. Absolutely. So is it like a juice keg stand? I, I think probably, yeah. though, that sounds disgusting. First of all, any well, cake stand to me sounds disgusting. But yes, also sort of really like just weird. If it was like juice, <laughs>
1: like I oh, yeah, chug that orange juice. I'm assuming it's like, Is, probably because these kids can't legally drink, right? You're well, it's for... be- there's that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just assumed because I think it's kind of silly. I mean, but it's cute, but I get it. Can't. Yeah. It's, underage it's, drinking It's
2: legal. Exactly. It's legal shit. So, yeah, quote unquote juice.
0: Yeah, I get it. We all know what's in that juice. It's jungle juice.
2: Yeah, jungle there juice go. Oh my god, jungle juice. Don't drink it, kids. If you are out I'm trying there, don't drink think if I've ever ha- had don't jungle, drink juice. The jungle juice.
0: Uh, we can make this happen in Fargo, Brittany. I can make <laughs> you my famous Slapio Mama, which I, what I drank in college. Back. I'm sorry. What was? What is what? A Slapio Mama? Yeah. Slapio Mama.
1: Why would I want to drink that?
0: Because it is fucking delicious. (laughs) Can I
1: (laughs) slap your mom? Okay, so jungle juice, vodka, rum, lemonade, mixed fruit juice, fruit punch, and fruit garnish. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, no, it's basically just like booze and juice and a variety of juices. And you can use rum. You can use vodka. Um, The really dangerous ones use Everclear. Oh, Um, shit. So slap your mama. We used um, Captain Morgan spiced rum, Mountain Dew, and orange juice. Uh But... I can make a. I've been making a more refined version because, like, essentially, if you boil it down, a more refined version. Well, because if you think about it, the core flavors essentially replicate like what a mai tai is, except mm. it's like very just like basic bitch, you know. So it's like, just a tap your mama instead of
1: a slap your mama. Okay, but tap your mama, I feel like gives it a whole other meaning. You I mean, it mean? might maybe oh, it's, a really bad it's way. like it's
0: more grown up. Oh. Oh, so you're such an innocent, pure <laughs> solzheimer. Never mind. I, I mean, I hear tap your mom, and I think like bad, devious sexual thoughts in a gross way. Oh. And I'm like, I don't, I don't it- want. I don't think Because when you say gross. tap You're like oh, I'm gonna tap that ass You know yeah. Like you don't wanna tap your mom <laughs> <laughs> Well you wouldn't Somebody else Nobody
3: <laughs> should be Tapping
0: their mom That's gross And <laughs> <That's> wrong <laughs> Okay Nick, 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 Nick. Yeah just don't do that um, All this is deviated um, Yeah <laughs> yeah, we're, the yeah I else. was gonna Goodbye. say We're pretty open here On What's Good Games And we want people To love who they love And you should love your mom You but should not, not tap like your that. mom Okay yeah.
2: You yeah. can tap her on the shoulder, like regular, regular meaning of the word. Correct. There you if go. If you are our using the hat. classical right, meaning of the word <laughs> the tap. classical meaning of the word tap. You and can Brittany tap her. Right now bad. Can't do this. But uh, not in
0: any other context. So. <laughs> Brittany can't handle this conversation. I can't.
1: Anyway, so in our third segment of this week's podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we, we interviewed executive producer Lindsay Pearson, and we talked about the Sims 4 Discovery University. It's a fun little segment. We had a great time, and we did not talk about tapping moms, and it was fun.
0: Yeah, it was great to chat with Lindsay. Um, We talked about um, the diversity in the Sims and the things that the Sims um, developers are doing to make the game more inclusive. And obviously, we talked about the new expansion. And it's a really fun little interview. We hope you guys stick around for it in the third segment. Um, But it's been otherwise a relatively light news week. Knowing us, there's going to be some giant, amazing story that drops on Thursday and then yeah. Friday morning, the show comes out, and everyone will be like, Why don't they talk about this? We'll That's be why like, we're telling
1: you we're recording early. Uh, Sweary65 and Suda51, No More Heroes, and Deadly Premonition, or some, you know, you might know them from that, uh, are mm-hmm. working on a, a something and they're making an announcement tomorrow, is my understanding. But we won't be mm. here for that. But who Interesting. knows? Interesting. Mm. Oh, that could be the perfect dosage of chaos. Oh, It's going to be real weird. Yeah. It's going to be real weird. But yeah, I was scouring all the news, and I was like, okay, well, Darksiders is coming on, I think, December 2nd, Genesis, and it's coming to Stadia after that. I mean, there's just like not a lot going on right
0: now, ladies and gentlemen. But that's okay. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um. All right, then. Well, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Oh, Stick December with us. 5th. Sorry. Wait what? I
1: had to correct myself. It's
0: coming December 5th. It's Cider Genesis.
1: I didn't want to get any comments in the YouTubes about me being <laughs> a dumb gamer girl.
0: Okay, so now you away. have to do now you have to do the segue.
1: <clears throat> well that's going to do it for this week's segment of the news. Stick with us. We'll be right back. back.
0: Everybody and a welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. It is segment 2 where we talk about what we've been playing. And this week, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by whatsgoodgames.com/extra life. That's right, we want your money for the big beautiful kids. If you were thinking about potentially supporting us this month, maybe consider donating to our team fundraising at what's what'sgoodgames.com that's our website slash mm. extra life um where you can help out children that are at the sanford children's hospital in fargo in my hometown as part of the children miracles hospital network network hospitals may have got that wrong anyway it's for the kids do it for the kids all the details on what you can get with your donation are available on the website Thank you so much for all your support. Even if you cannot donate, maybe you can retweet the stream or post about it. And maybe somebody in your network is able to do so. Because I know I had a couple of you reach out to me and say, hey, I really want to be involved, but I don't have any money to be involved. And I said, you don't have to have any money. Just turn the stream on and watch it and support us in the chat. Or maybe share it. And maybe somebody that you share it with will be able to support the kids. Anyway, we want you to be there is what I'm trying to say. Don't forget. Saturday, 12 to 6 Central Time. All right. Let's talk about what we've been playing. And this week, Britt and I are going to gush about The Outer Worlds. I want to give a big thank you to Private Division and Obsidian Entertainment for providing us with promotional copies of The Outer Worlds. I am playing on my Xbox One X. Mm -hmm. What are you playing on, Britt? Xbox
2: One X. And I saw Steiner tweeted. Yes. So I have not... I do have the game, also, thank you, Private Division, and I have it for Xbox One X. It is actually installed and, like, ready to go. However, um, as I th- I've mentioned in my- in a tweet, and I guess I will say here, because I don't think we said it in the beginning of the show, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. So this Friday, when you are listening to this show, I will be on a plane to Europe, and I'm not coming back until basically Thanksgiving, uh, or, like, right before Thanksgiving. So um, I really didn't want to dive into a game like this and then be cut short. And I have a lot of things to get done before I leave. So I was just kind of like, it was a, it was, it was not an easy decision to make, but I was like, I will let Andrea and Brittany play this game and give their thoughts on it. But I, I will be participating at a later date when I'm back and get to like totally dive in. Yeah. What
1: happened? What happened, Britt? Oh, you guys froze for a hot minute. Oh, Oh. but we came back. You did come back. Yeah, I I was getting ready to take a picture because you both lovely ladies had the very derpy expressions. Um, But then you snapped back, so I couldn't take the picture. I'm
0: kind of sad about it. Yeah. Good. I'm sure if you just take a random freeze frame of the video at any point, we'll have a derpy enough face that's complimentary. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Um, I don't blame you because in the few sessions that I've had with the game, I have played for an obscene amount of hours um in into the wee hours of the morning so my first session i sat down on a sunday and played probably from 9am to 11pm <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. like taking short breaks to get beverages and eat and stand up and go to the bathroom but for the most part just like sitting on the couch for a whole day because I'd been so busy with the move and unpacking and the studio and getting getting everything ready for studio construction that I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play a game today. And I knew that I was gonna be into the outer world after having gone to several preview events and also having worked with the you know, the Obsidian entertainment team and private division at PAX West just a couple of months ago but I was not prepared for how deep its hooks were going to go into me so quickly. Um, and even last night, you know, I wasn't able to play much um, after that one long session. But I just I picked it up. I was like it was like nine or ten o'clock. I was like, I'm just going to crank for like an hour or two and then head to bed because I want to talk about it more in the show. And then <laughs> I kept thinking, I was like, it feels like it's really late. I should probably stop playing and then I looked down at my phone and it was like 1 a.m. And I was like, oh, no, it's so late. I got to stop. And then I, I put my phone down and I started. I was like, well, I'm in the middle of this mission. As soon as I'm done <laughs> and I get to a good save point. Um, I'll put it down and then I was like oh no it feels for even later I go I bet you it's like two or three nope it was four. <laughs> oh god
2: yes you fell down that hole where it's um, like the trap of I'll just do a little more a little more I definitely felt that I have played the game when we were at our the uh, preview event that they invited <laughs> us to uh, and I think that's also what informed my decision to not jump into this is because right. I could already, even in that short amount of time, we had like a few hours with it. I felt I felt those hooks like like great. You know, yes. and I was like, OK, I'm picking up what this is putting down mm-hmm. and I know exactly what this is going to be for me. And so therefore, I'm going to make the adult decision to focus on getting ready to leave and not just because i would probably be just like you andrea i'd be like oh shit it's four (laughs) like what am i gonna do
1: well yeah Yeah. there's just no way you could finish the game anyway before your trip and it sucks to be so involved into a story leave it for three weeks and then come back and be like okay what was happening yeah what was i doing Yeah. yeah yeah so i've also done the demos as well with you ladies um and while we played, it felt good. But the, the thing I was always so curious about is, you know, who are who's Pavardi and who, who are these other characters and what are we doing here and why are we doing it? So the story, while it sounded interesting from everything we had heard on paper, it hadn't quite – I wasn't quite sold yet because, you know, it's hard when they throw you in the middle of this thing. You're like, why should I care about you? What am I doing? It's just a lot. Uh, so I started playing – And then like, yeah, real quick, real quick. I was like, oh, oh, this is this is real good. This is real fun. So I think I'm about 15 hours into it right now. I think I'm level 16, 16. But I'm doing a lot, a lot, a lot of exploration. I'm you know, it's not open world. You have like is a sandbox that the cool kids call it. But you have these different like, planets and areas you go, and then it's just like this area that you can just explore. And they're not super over- overwhelming in size. I don't know if that's what she said. So it feels nice to kind of go through and check out these areas and then be done with it. And then you can like move on. And I, that's what I found myself doing. So it's interesting that we were told 15 to 40 hours, I think, depending if you just follow all the main missions or if you explore. There's no way I could finish this game in 15 hours.
0: I'm already 20 hours in. I'm level 21 Um, I don't know how anybody could
2: just skip all the Yeah, that would be like a second or a third playthrough though Like when you're like just crit pathing it Trying to do something different that you hadn't seen before That's when it's probably closer to 15 hours
0: potentially but i I mean from a difficulty standpoint it's i mean there's been moments where i've walked into areas where i very clearly was like nope i gotta leave (laughs) because there's a giant boss or there's a giant enemy or something and my companions keep dying and like i have to like constantly run for cover and you know when you're right on the cusp of being like like where you're you're almost there but you're not quite where you're like pausing and eating like your consumables like mm-hmm. every like minute yeah, or two you're, you're, like, like, you're
2: like can I make my way through
0: this fight <laughs> yeah. Barely. and then you're like you start the fight with like way too many consumables and when it's done they're like gone and you're like well now I have to go restock all my stuff um there's definitely moments like that and I'm with you Britt, in the sense that we got this glimpse of these characters and we liked them then but now I've been walking around with them and really getting to know them. And like it feels so Mass Effect to me in that regard. It almost feels like this really nice combination of fallout and mass effect in a way that i didn't know i needed and wanted but now that it's here i'm like yes this is what i love um and it's it's great because like you know mass effect did relationships and conversations and emotional investment in characters so well and the when you talk about these open world instances it's not open world in the sense that like skyrim or fallout was like a single open world and you could walk from one into the other, you know, you obviously are getting into your ship and traveling between planets. And that's what felt very mass effect to me down to like going to, you know, like a, a central hub and looking at the planets and watching your ship travel between the planets and then touching down on another one on a landing pad, you know, and then even the companion selection screen screamed mass effect to me. So every time you exit the, Um, Unreliable, Mm -hmm. I think, is the name of your ship, which is hilarious. So good. Um, And all of your companions are up on the screen, and you can choose to take one or two uh, with you. You don't have to take two. Or you can go by yourself. There's actually special perks that you Mm -hmm. can spec in the skill tree if you prefer to go companionless. But what I've noticed is that... There's just the right amount of banter between the companions without feeling annoying. Mm-hmm. I do notice that when you use their special abilities, they only have a set amount of dialogue that they rotate between. Except for Neoka who just screams every time, which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, and it hasn't gotten old yet. And I just... I love how they each have distinct personalities. There's specific companion quest line like Mass Effect. I don't know how it's going to affect the outcome of the game because I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not to the end, but I hope that it has you know some influence on what happens and your decisions. And so far, I'm just I'm loving it. I think the game is just so well polished. I think the gameplay is fun. The the first person shooting mechanics obviously aren't the best but that's not why i'm playing this game if i was playing purely to play a shooter i would just boot up destiny 2 shadow keep and play destiny (laughs) um but i'm playing the outer worlds because of the narrative because of my investment because of that grindy gameplay that just sinks its teeth into you and doesn't let go and go and you just like you play you play like i did until 4 a.m because you're like this is the gameplay loop just feels so good and i'm so happy that it feels great. That said, there are a couple of things, you know, that I look at it and go, dang, it really, really would have been cool if this didn't exist or if they had addressed this. And I think a lot of those issues come down to the fact that Obsidian didn't have, you know, a full AAA budget to make this game. You know, it was their first IP with Private Division. And even the interview that we did with the narrative team with Carrie, um, and I think Brian, When we did the preview event, they both said the same thing. They were like, you know, there's these things that we wanted to add. Because I remember, I think, we were talking to them about romance options in the game. We're like, oh, you are going to be able to romance your companions? And Carrie was like, unfortunately, no. And she's like, you know, maybe in our next game we can talk about that. But, you know, we really just had to limit the scope. And a lot of that came down to not only us just editing to make sure that we weren't adding too much into this game. But also, like, we just didn't have the budget to make as big of an RPG as we were dreaming of. And so I think that gives us a lot of hope that if this game does well and Microsoft, you know, is happy with how it performs, they'll help fund whatever's next for the outer worlds and say maybe we can make it bigger and better next time. How did you feel about the loading screens, Britt?
1: Yeah, so you – I haven't had any issues because you chatted about this with me before we saw, shot the show. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to start paying attention because by that point, I'd maybe been like eight hours in and I hadn't noticed anything. I mean, they're there obviously. Very few areas when you enter a building, especially if it's like a factory or something, you know, is it seamless? Usually going into houses is no problem if you're like in a little settlement. But yeah, there maybe maybe like ten seconds. And I don't know. It's it, Maybe it's because the loading screens are very like funny Granted, they do recycle a lot of them, but they, uh, they're not the worst example of loading screens I've seen. So it hasn't really been an issue unless you find yourself fast traveling here and there, and then you got to go here to do that thing and then fast travel back but I think the way I've been playing is just a lot of exploration I'm uncovering the entire map first and then I go into one area and like these little factories are almost like little mini dungeon crawls right but obviously imagine like a little factory setting in the sense you have all of these doors you have key cards you can pick up there are enemies there are generally NPCs there are different ways you can approach certain situations inside there depending on like what the quest is so um, anyway going off track but loading screens have not really been an issue for me
0: No, I mean, they haven't been an issue for me. They've been working as intended. I, in fact, you know, haven't had any technical problems at all, which is to me incredibly impressive for a game of this scope and this size. So I'm playing again on Xbox One X, and I have not had a single like texture pop in. I haven't had any. Hard crashes, no freezes. The reason I brought up the loading screens, because it was the one thing that glaringly stood out to me as something that a lot of other studios have optimized and hidden in modern games, but that it it felt very dated, that there Mm. was just so many loading screens, like a loading screen to go in and out of, you know, specific buildings, to go in and out of settlements. Because I think about a game... Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and there was just so few loading screens and that massive open world. But clearly, that game had a much different scope and budget than, right. than The Outer Worlds does. Yeah. And so, I'm just chalking it up to that, that they just didn't have the resources to take those loading screens away. Um, that said, they weren't particularly egregiously long. They just, there just was a lot of them. Um, and so, it, it became noticeable at like hour 20 of the game where I'm like, oh man, there's just, a bunch, but that said, it didn't take away; hasn't taken away from my enjoyment. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that you mentioned this exploration and, and kind of this dungeon crawl aspect to going into buildings and certain settlements and things like that. Because what I like about this more than I liked about Fallout 4, for example, is that it feels like they're actually tied together. That they're not these like disjointed settlements that have their own individual narratives. It feels like they're all one. Big story, which I think is such a huge feat that they were able to expertly weave these storylines together. So you can be doing a couple of quests in one settlement and then it'll tie in with characters who you'll see in another settlement. And so you can kind of like travel between them and it doesn't feel like you're wasting any time. And there's just something so satisfying about going off the beaten path and exploring something and picking up a bunch of stuff and then finding an NPC later that's like, I need this thing. And you're like, I've got I already. it already. <laughs>
1: you're like, yeah, and you "Go you been- Turn
0: in the quest
2: automatically.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a really good feeling. And that's been one of the joys for me, too, is just hopping into this world and just figuring out what's going on, putting the pieces together. Because that's the whole idea, right? Is you've been thawed from this, this colony ship and... You are now like, okay, it's been, oh, what is it, like 70 years or something, whatever it's been. What the hell is going on? And the ship you're on is just like a fairy tale to the current people living in the colony. And it's cool to understand the politics and kind of where this is going. Um, Just to set expectations, and I I can't spoil anything because I don't know what's going to happen – but there's only two different endings, basically. Um, I've, I've looked into this. And depending on, I'm assuming, what major decision you choose, but then you're going to get like the slides at the end. You know, your decision made this happen, your decision made that happen. Just so, you know, people. So when you say
2: there's only two endings, you mean like cutscene? Cinematics.
1: That's what it sounds like, yeah, because I looked into it. It's kind of like who you side with kind of thing, right? Sure, that makes Uh, sense. Yeah, so the other thing I'm really loving is just the deep RPG mechanics in this. I feel like it's been such a long time since I've played a game that truly allows you to customize your character. You know, how much science, engineering, how much persuasion, intimidation do you want them to have? How much one-handed, how much... It's just so good and it's so great to be having these conversations with these NPCs and to kind of like work that silver tongue and make them do whatever you want oh My by God, saying, I'm so
2: excited to talk my way through this whole game oh dude yes. it's so good Britt, tell me about
1: how
0: you spec your character
1: okay well if I, I'm not sure how I feel about this so you know me I'm a melee person at heart like I can't shoot shit to save my life so one of my main things I put a lot of my points into um, at the beginning was melee combat and it's working out okay it's Pretty obvious to me that this game was not designed to be a game where you use a lot of melee weapons if you're not willing to really get good at it. You know, you have to get good at dodging. You have to know and the dodging is like a double tap. So you have to dodge and it's you're limited and you know how much you can dodge. You have to wear probably heavy armor and it's fine and it's fun every once in a while to pull out a big melee weapon and smack an enemy upside the head once in a while, but um Obviously, I mean, I'm just playing on the typical standard normal mode, and I, I think I'm a little OP for my area where I am right now. So it's it's an effective way of smashing schools for sure right now, but, you know, it definitely the, – the health bar goes way down very quickly. Um, So that's – So you can't face tank. I'm trying. But
0: it just ain't working out so good. Oh, you mean your health bar goes down quickly Sorry, when you're yeah. – yeah, because yeah.
1: Yeah, if you have, you know, three or four enemies in front of you and they're all shooting at you and you just have like a big, you know, whatever, a toss ball stick, it's like, okay, this is not. So I just fall back and use some, um, you know, ranged weapons. So that's.
0: Yeah, the main way. I've noticed that like the the bullet, like damage that you take from NPCs is, is real intense and it's really easy to get overwhelmed quickly. The combat doesn't feel particularly balanced and so I see what I see what you're saying there mm-hmm. and it's it's tough because you know I don't look at a studio like Obsidian and go oh they're known for their combat right like Obsidian is known for their their storytelling and their humor and their RPG mechanics mm-hmm. um, and so I hope that that's something that they can tweak and maybe fix over time but um, I see what you're saying about why it would be frustrating if you play a tank because you're automatically going to encumber yourself carrying heavy weapons and heavy armor
1: <laughs> Well, unless you're like me and put all of your perk points into, you know, expanded inventory.
0: And, the, uh, I, that was the first thing I did. It was like <gasps> out the gate. I was like, I'm specking lock picking and hacking and yes. persuasion, and I'm specking for carrying as much. Load as humanly possible. <laughs> you guys may have seen me tweeting earlier this week about my frustration with encumbrance as a mechanic at large, and I really appreciate all the people who took the time to give me thoughtful and considerate feedback for why they like encumbrance. Um, and I definitely agree that there are certain genres that it's better for. Um, I would think survival games are in their own, are on their own. Oh my gosh, cat, go away! Oh, I hate um, the baby. Don't, well he's begging for dinner now. He's fine. You have dry food, go eat it. He's like
3: you he's eat
1: starving. Dry food and see starving. He, he's feel.
0: starving, you see. Oh. He's looking at me like I'm I'm a just like you are a monster. food. <laughs> um <laughs> and um what I what I think is frustrating about the way that it is here is that I like how they've streamlined the RPG process in a lot of areas in the outer worlds, and it feels like the encumbrance is there and it's just you're like, it's just, why? It's just you know, so I have annoying. to say,
1: I haven't had any issues with that. Um, what's your weight limit right now? 250. Okay, mine's 190. Um, I, usually, I'm the hoarder in games, and I feel yeah, like i, I have not a in real
2: life. So, what's going on?
1: Oh, well, you drop it, Simon. I'm not a hoarder in real life anymore. John Drake called that
0: one Andrew Renee as a hoarder. That's our new target. Well, he calls me out as somebody who needs to loot every item that's lootable in video games, which is true. I'm a trash panda, if and if I can I pick it up, I will pick it up and put it in garage. my inventory, and I will sort through my trash and see which one's treasure and which no. ones I want to get rid of. I
1: was just laughing I, at his tweet about why it took three days to unpack the garage. That was really cute and funny. Well, it's because we have a lot of studio gear, <laughs> okay? Anyway, it hasn't really been a huge issue for me, and I, and I don't know why that is, because generally, like, I have that issue, but... Um, you know, I, I'd assemble a lot of my heavy armor anyway. And I don't probably equip my gear, my team with the best gear I should.
0: Yeah. Okay, I think I like? now that I'm 20 hours in, I've learned more about what I want to pick up and what I don't want to pick up. Because I think, like anybody in any RPG in the beginning, you pick up everything. Because yeah. you don't know which weapons oh, you're yeah. going to like, which armor you're going to like, what's going to work for your playstyle. And you don't know what they do. And so you're like, all of the things I will carry.
2: Mm-hmm. Mine, uh, mine,
0: mine, 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 mine. Yeah, Yeah. that's why... Do you have that perk
1: that lets you fast travel while encumbered?
0: No, because I'm very good about dismantling stuff in the field and also selling, marking everything as junk and selling it at the nearest vending machine. What's interesting is that there's vending machines scattered very plentifully around the world. And I'm, I'm just assuming that they're designed for people in the higher difficulty playthroughs so that they can buy... Consumables that they need for fights coming up because mm-hmm. I haven't felt compelled to buy a single thing from a vending machine, with the exception of like lockpicks, same, yeah, and like uh, the bypass shunts to do hacking on the computers. Yeah, and I just I just buy them even though my hacking and my lockpicking skills are I usually don't need them, but I buy them because I'm like ah eh, they're cheap and they don't they don't weigh anything they weigh zero so yeah
1: unless yeah I also use them to sell stuff because once you get to a certain Level, you can actually sell your stuff there out of any machine. It takes a little bit, but yeah, it's like engineering or something. I think it requires, I don't know, but this yeah, game, yeah, this game's a real treat for me because I never played Fallout New Vegas and I've just never been able to get into a Fallout game before. Um, so it's kind of a, I feel like I'm getting a real nice, lean version of those kind of games because it's not true open world, right? And I think this game isn't designed to take you you know, 100-plus hours, which is really great. And so it's it's a real treat for me to kind of experience something like this. And I wasn't sure, you know, how long the game would hold my attention, but it has my attention by the balls, and it's just really fun. Um, the one thing that's – it's not a huge gripe, but it's like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to hate you for it. But the, the UI isn't – I don't mind the UI. Some people are saying it's terrible, but the map, I wish there was a mini-map in the corner that you could toggle on. And I wish it would show you multiple quests at once on that map because right now, what you have to do, if you have, let's say, like 15 side quests at a time, you kind of have to go through and see. And granted, like, I appreciate the side quest system because it does give you an extensive history on, like, what you've done and what you have to do and where you have to go. It's pretty obvious. But, you know, if you have, let's say, three quests on this one planet, it would be nice if you open up that map of that planet and it showed you where you had to go and what you had to do, or at least, like, a marker. I don't think. They do... do no, they, they don't do that. No. Okay, so I was getting confused. Because if you're doing a quest and it has, like, three different objectives, those three objectives will show up on your HUD, you know, and you'll have, like, little green arrows where you have to go. But it won't show any information about other quests you have in that same area. Not a huge deal, yeah.
0: but... No, I'm, nice. I'm with you that the, the map system could use a little work. The thing that that kind of kind of grates me the most... When I'm um, in my menus is that when you're hover over, hovering over an item, the pop up that shows you the specific stats of that item covers Covers. the rest of your items. And it's so. Frustrating to me because I pull that up because I want to compare it against all of the other things that are in my inventory, mm-hmm. but you can't see them because I'm like, oh, do I have a duplicate of this gun or do I have a duplicate of this, you know, um, piece of armor or whatever? But you can't see because the sub menu pops up and it covers the rest of the inventory. And so, like, that to me is like a, that's so annoying, but like, I don't, I wouldn't look at it and go, this is terrible. I've certainly right. seen way worse. UIs in my time. And that to me is like a super fixable thing that if they wanted to potentially patch that out, they could. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting when I had tweeted about my um, encumbrance frustration. Um, Chris Charler wrote me back. Um, He works at Xbox now and said, you know, sometimes you have to design an encumbrance system because the inventory system you broke Uh, Was actually broken (laughs) Um, It's funny His exact tweet um, At iocat If you want to Follow him It says If you design your inventory system Poorly enough As I have done in the past You sometimes need to avoid it Having You sometimes need to avoid Having the game crash And that's why Encumbrance is a design choice Ah. Um, And so I wrote him I said Now see This is a reasonable answer And he says I still have a dream Of making an RPG With no encumbrance Traps or poison (laughs) (laughs) That hmm. makes sense. So. Interesting. Yeah, he's the, of course, the um, idea Xbox director over at uh, Microsoft and Xbox. But yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's great. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I can't wait to deep dive into it, and I can't wait to finish it and see what happens with all of my buddies and the story and Halcyon as like an evil corporation is such an interesting idea because I think that there's going to be some kind of a twist with the story at some point because a lot of what you're seeing the scattered throughout the world like pictures that or points them as like this evil capitalist overlord and i just the way all the factions interact with each other and like then they just really killed it with the narrative in in this game because i think of a game like like a fallout or like a skyrim like some of these traditional bethesda rpgs and i wasn't really I wasn't really connected with those stories at all. I, I loved the gameplay and loved the, some of the smaller individual storylines. But the overarching storyline, like I could not tell you like what the plot line of Fallout 4 was right now. And I spent probably seventy five hours playing that game.
2: And I think that's your kid's missing. Oh. Fair enough. And what and then what happens? <laughs> and then you're well, I'm not going to spoil it in case... I mean, it's old, but whatever. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I remember it. It's the, the basic plot line of Fallout and honestly any of those very large open world RPGs is super fucking simple because mm-hmm. they have to keep it simple because you can do so much in between that I think that's why when you were mentioned actually even a little bit earlier, Andrea, you were talking about how these cities and these places feel more connected. I think that's probably due to the fact that this is so sized down and I think you know it's not a giant open world they can can kind of they don't super control but they have a little bit more control over like where you are and what Mm -hmm. you're doing and like the things that you can find and it's more reasonable for them to build a sandbox that tells a proper story than it is for something that is the size of Fallout 4 or the size of Fallout New Vegas. Like those things are just inherently a lot more difficult because you have literally no idea which direction the player is going to go and where they're going to end up at any one time. So you mm-hmm. need to have each story live separately because otherwise it's not going to make any fucking sense. Like someone's going to go over here and like you either need to script multiple different forms of dialogue for this person based mm-hmm. on what you may have done or may not have done over here, uh, and it just becomes a logistical nightmare. Uh, so actually when you were saying that, I was like, I bet that's due to the scope. Like, I know that some people will say uh, things that are smaller in scope are not great or they want everything to be larger and better or whatever. I'm like, dunno. No. Give me the well-edited <laughs> thing. Give me the sandbox versus the open world. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that because yeah. it usually will result in a better told tale.
1: And maybe that's part of why I'm lovingness, I mean, obviously, is when I have played Fallout. And I maybe put like 15 hours into a Fallout game before. Uh, I don't know which one. Four, probably. Um, I, I just, like, lose it. I just, like, I forget what I'm doing. I forget who these all these people are. And I'm someone who really wants to pay attention to that and really, like, get to know these characters. But... I, it just gets to be too much going on at once. But this game, like I said, it feels like a lean version. Like the fat's been trimmed, and I feel like every character you meet is interesting in some shape or form. A grand, like most of the NPCs in the in the world will just say like, "Hey, how's it going?" or "I like sissy pigs."
2: As they should. As no they one should really talk to you that much. <laughs> no,
1: but the ones you do talk to that you know, have unique names, they're all very quirky. They're all extremely well written, and they're just genuinely entertaining to watch and to interact with. And it's just real nice. You're going to say something funny. You know, you, you you're laughing a lot. You're chuckling a lot. It's a really cute, quirky right narrative that they have in the in the game, and it's good. It's really yeah, I've good. always
2: loved Obsidian's humor, um, and Fallout New Vegas had a lot of that, which I really enjoyed, and it definitely kept me going through mm. some you know through a rather bleak world. Otherwise, like, right, it's all radioactive. Nothing's nothing's great here. Uh, but, so
1: would you say New Vegas had a quirkier like writing than like the other Fallout games? Yeah. You okay, that makes sense. You
2: definitely had some weird-ass missions. I remember like this one Super Mutant mission that was just bonkers weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is very unusual, but, but cool. Um, so yeah, they definitely have their little obsidian flair. I don't think it was in full force like it seems to be with this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you could definitely tell.
1: Sweet, it had the little spice, a little, the little spice. obsidian spice. It's a good spice. Oh, it's exciting, and I hope this game does really well for them. Um, they have already were interviewed by oh, who do I have it? I have it up. Uh, 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 game Informer and um, Leonard Boyarski. I don't have his title down here, but I think he's like pretty high up. I think there. he's the game director. Yeah, the uh, game performer was already asking, like, hey, would Outer Worlds 2 be open world? So they're, like, kind of already chatting about it, and his response to that was possibly, but I think the franchise leans a little bit away from that. It's a pulpy space opera where you're a guy or a woman who flies from place to place exploring a solar system, so to have one giant map defeats that. So, you know, it's it, it would I be think great. Just, just improve the loading screens. <laughs> exactly improve that just improve some you know quality of life things and like you said earlier i think it was you andrew who said this it doesn't have to be brand new it doesn't have to the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented with a game like this tell an engaging story put in some new characters Throw throw in a few plot twists and a fun world to walk around in and it's like you have a winning success i don't think the world will ever get sick of that as long as it feels fresh but...
0: exactly yeah And the polish, man. The polish is there. It's real. So if you're looking for an RPG to get lost in and to really have a fun time with and laugh in, um, and you don't mind that they're not innovating and that they don't have, you know, the best graphics you've ever seen, but you're really going to enjoy your time, then maybe you want to consider trying The Outer Worlds.
1: The game is pretty. I'm playing on my projector upstairs, and I've had those moments where you kind of look up, and you see, like, spaceships and planets in space, and you're like, ooh.
0: Yeah, I took a screenshot of one of the opening skyboxes, because I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pretty games, Steimer has been playing Concrete Genie.
2: Yeah, well, actually, that's applicable to either of the games I've been playing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I opted to not play Outer Worlds, because I knew it would take me too long. And instead, uh, the fine folks at PlayStation got me a copy of Concrete Genie after Andrea had talked about it on the show. I was like, wait a minute. I wanted to play that game. That game looked really cute. Um, so they kindly provided me with a copy and I got—I just beat it in one day, which oh, is wow. absolutely perfect for me because I'm busy. I don't got a lot of time. Uh, and it was just it was a really beautiful little story. I mean, I feel like you kind of nailed it. It was It's interesting um, how like everyone's version of that city will look a little bit different depending on their style or I feel like mine was probably the ugliest thing in the world. Like, (laughs) wait, which, uh, which, uh, which things did you use the most? Which ones? So I used um, at first I was like, at first I had the intent of being like, this is I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. I'm going to try and make this look really good. But then I found that the sort of northern lightsy one for the first round was the easiest one to light up all of the lights with. So then I just started slapping that everywhere. <laughs> and then uh, it, there was, like, a few other ones like, like that. And then eventually I'd use, like, a thunderstorm or whatever, just to, whatever I could clear the lights fastest with. Because the idea is, like, you have to light up everything in the city, light up all the darkness. And... In order to do that, you have to, like, paint underneath it. And so there's some stickers or paints that are blobs, basically. Like, so there'll be, like, a sun that's more of, like, a sticker. Same with apples. And then there'll be ones that are more of, like, a paintbrush stroke where you will, like, the northern lights where you can just, or there was a wind one. And you can have a little bit easier time maneuvering that with your PlayStation controller to just be, like, all those lights are lit up. Versus, like, dunk, 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 like, Mm. just slapping stickers on this wall there was one time when i accidentally and that's when i this is when i just was like well it's gone to hell in a handbasket now um i was going to light up this one wall and i accidentally had the apples selected and so then i was just like slap 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 and you can undo it so let's not but i was just like well this is an apple wall now like i just you live here i i just slapped a million apples on this wall it looked really stupid i did not care for it but it's still there so you know and uh, hanging out and i have to say a lot of my masterpieces were definitely not but otherwise it still manages to make them look pretty because of the art style the way that it's painterly even if you are complete crap at art you can make something that looks halfway decent because i did sometimes on the occasion and uh I just I really enjoy colors in games. I love it when people play with them and and make things really vibrant and beautiful. And so uh, I thought, yeah, this was a really nice fun game. I will say I was not expecting it to turn the way it did. So this isn't super spoilery, but like at toward the end, you don't do combat like the entire game, and then it's like ta-da! It's a re- it's a regular game. It's there's combat here. You go and I was like, wait, what? Why? Um, <laughs> but. Even still, I didn't find it to be that bad. And I was like, okay, I guess I can. This is fine. I can, I can deal with this. Uh, it definitely didn't outstay its welcome. It's a well-edited game. So you will, uh, I think, have a good time with it if you wanted to pick it up and give it a shot. Mm. Nice little tail. Now me,
1: as a Microsoft Paint artiste, would I benefit from this game?
0: Yeah, girl. <laughs> okay. I think Yay. you would really enjoy it, Britt. It's nice. It's a nice game.
2: I'll the only just thing add it I had trouble with was uh, I couldn't like super lounge back on my couch and play it because you have to use the light bar to d- be your paintbrush, and so oh. I st- I had to like s- I had to like sit up straight. You guys, like, oh my god, <laughs> it was so. Hard. I was so tired. Oh my god, your life is so fucked up that you I had. Know. It like. <laughs> it was horrendous. I can't believe this game made me have a good posture. It was you better ridiculous. Dog, like, three points from your review because that. I mean, it's now a five out of ten. <laughs> oh my serious.
1: god, yeah. Take that, PlayStation.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a, it was a fun little game, and then I, I got another code so thank you to the PR team for providing me with this um for indivisible yay which is also gorgeous I absolutely adore the art style of this game and there's a lot of humor in it as well so if um if you like the art of Skullgirls I believe that's the same uh same artiste same same art style we uh, played this
1: I saw you play this at PAX we played it at year. PAX yeah
2: yeah yeah not the, not the most recent PAX but yeah last year yeah. um and so that game finally came out. It's not on Switch yet. It will be coming to Switch at a later yeah. date, but I just got it for PlayStation 4 for right now. I really have only scratched the surface of it, but I kind of just wanted to give it a, a little mention here of, because it is out and like, you should go give it a go. If you like side, sc- it's like a side scrolling action. I don't know that I would call it an RPG that Wiki does, but I'm like, is it? I don't know, it's yeah. Kind I, of a, it's kind,
0: kind of... of a mashup of genres, and it's got this really cool anime art style. Uh, we first saw this game at Judges Week, not this year, but the previous year, um, and this was a Kickstarter game. Did you mention that? No, I didn't know that it was. Um, yeah, so let me pull up the Kickstarter details, and, um, I mean, I was really taken um, aback when I first played this, because generally speaking... Um, this type of game is just not for me. So it's uh, from the creators of the Skullgirls, and oh wait, maybe it's just maybe it was just IndieGoGo, uh, and they raised over two million dollars, oh. and um, for the what they are dubbing the two D action RPG from Lab Zero. That's the name of the studio. And it's got this really fantastic anime art style. It reminds me a little bit of Avatar, the last airbender. Um, And so they did all of these rewards um, as part of their fundraising campaign. And now, and now the game is out and like the gameplay is really, is really fun. It's really interesting how they kind of are combining like this side scrolling. I I don't really want to use the term Metroidvania because it doesn't feel like that, but you would be able to speak more to that than I. It's
2: Um, pretty light, but yeah, I mean, yes, it, It does technically fit that bill, but eh. Um, Yeah. Oh, this is like a a, a
1: tiger on you, right? Sorry.
2: There's a lady with a tiger on you. Yeah, okay, Rasmi is amazing, and I love her. So, yeah, she's basically a lady with with like a tiger pelt on her, and she's really sarcastic and dark and dry, which I love. Um, All of the characters are super well-concepted. They're well-written, and that's what I'm really looking forward to playing this game more is to just kind of get to know all these people and their stories. So you play as Anya, who's this like very rambunctious teenage girl. Um, and basically like within the first five minutes of the game, you go to like train with your dad and then you realize like your village is being attacked and your dad's dead. Like rip. Um, and so she has this weird power that only comes in after, uh, all that happens where she like absorbs people into her head. Uh, so that that's kind of where like what it's playing off of. And if you see clips of people, it's just like on running, like she'll be running, but then when battle comes, the people will like pop out of her aura or whatever, and will come to battle with you. Uh, and you can like build out your party in different ways. And th- I think the one thing I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around is the combat because it's different for me it's Mm. different than what i'm normally what i'm used to playing and so basically you're you like are all lined up on the screen and it's it looks like you know just traditional turn-based rpg layout but it's not so like and then underneath each of the characters you'll have a certain number of button prompts so like uh you as anya may be square and then uh Star may be triangle and Rasmi may be a uh, circle or whatever. Like everybody has their own face button mapped to them. And when the timer loads, you can hit that button and she'll attack or he'll attack. Then though, you can also, if you push up and hit that button, it does something different. And if you push down and hit that button, it does something oh, that's different. that's right. So this is the part mm, where it kind of like, you confusing. have to, yeah, it's a little confusing and you have to like, sit there and think about what the move is you want to do. And then as enemies can obviously run up to you in that time. You can block their attacks. And the better you are at blocking, the easier it'll be, obviously. I am mediocre at best at blocking right now, <laughs> um, which is not great and means I die more than I really want to. But then I was reading on the internet because so I was like, man, it's kind of like, it's feeling really tough. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like, well, once you get... To a certain number of these like upgrade crystals, uh, it, the game actually becomes too easy because you're if you block it perfectly, you have no damage dealt to you. Um. So then, if you just sit there and kind of like perfect block and then blow everybody out of the water, I'm not there yet. I'm still I'm still kind of on the struggle wagon, trying <laughs> to like learn the timings and not get too over, over eager because I do think this is one of those games where with the combat you need to be, have a little bit of patience and be slightly more strategic than I'm being. I'm treating it too much like a button masher, which it is not really designed to be.
1: Yeah. Cool. Because I remember watching you play that, and the combat did look very confusing. And I was kind of like, this doesn't look like a relaxing sit back. Oh my god, you might not be able to like sit back fully, Simer. Oh my god, I know. Like What a tragedy. <laughs> but maybe, like you said, maybe it becomes second nature once you get used to the different combat. That-
2: yeah, I think once you start to have... You know, a little bit more time under your belt with this game, it'll probably feel more like second nature to you to be like, oh, I want the heel that's up and this button, or mm-hmm. I want the whatever that's down and this button. Um, but right now, I'm literally just like smashing buttons and seeing what they do because I don't remember and like. <laughs> this my, doesn't my work brain, out all the time. Brain, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily work. But damn, this game is beautiful and yeah. I really, really love the characters that I've met so far and I am. I just, I kind of wish I had it on my Switch already so that I could take it with me. I hear you. Because this is so pretty. What are you going to play on your Switch? I don't know that I'm going to play anything. So, what the funny part is, I saw all the tweets about After Party because that's launching soon. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I'll actually bring my Switch now and I'll buy this game while I'm abroad. And then I realized it's not coming to Switch yet, it's just confirmed for Switch, similar to Indivisible. Uh, Mm. These games are coming Mm -hmm. to Xbox and PlayStation 4 on their launch days. And then at some point later, they're coming to Switch. Um, So I think for this vacation, somebody also also, I think, was a little confused on Twitter when I said I was fucking off for three weeks. They were like, (laughs) man, you'll have so much time to play games. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 I mean, like, I'm going to Europe. I'm probably not bringing my Switch. I'm going to bring some books. I'm going to bring... Uh, my headphones so I can watch the movies on the plane and I'm going to try and disconnect as much as possible from everything. Good for you. Uh, I was going to suggest two relaxing games, but that sounds like they'd be
1: irrelevant but I'll just bring them up. But anyway, so I haven't talked about these because I need more time with them because they're those kind of games, but I have been playing Doraemon: Story of Seasons and um, a game called Stranded Sails. Uh, both of which are very relaxing, chill, just like Ha, ah, games. All about repetition and doing chores. That is somehow the most cathartic thing in the world. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. Jason makes fun of me all the time. He's like, "Why are you cutting grass and tilling the field and planting seeds? What's so fun in this? And you're doing it every day." I'm like, "I don't know."
2: This but is my safe kind of place. like. It's like The Sims, though, exactly. Right? Because like exactly. a lot of the stuff you do in The Sims is quote unquote boring. You're mm-hmm. like, alright, I'm cooking a meal, I am taking a shower, I am peeing in the toilet, I am like doing all of the mundane Adult shit. Things. And yeah. yet you would sit I would sit there for oh, hours yeah. and hours on end just being like, But I must I must help the Sim. I must. But yeah. I'll
1: talk about those uh, games later. I just need to spend another probably like thirty hours with them each. So you know.
0: I'm already Well like I'm glad that you talked about the Sim, because it made me think, of course, of The Sims. And perhaps it's a good segue for us to uh, transition to our final segment of the I show. I may, what do or you may think? not have had that in mind. I was going to say, you did, ah. you did real good, Steimer. That was real good. <laughs> nice work. Um, well, stick with us, everybody. When we come back, we've got a very special guest to talk about The Sims. Uh, we'll be.
1: Sausage
0: everybody and welcome to the final segment of the what's good games podcast and for our feature this week we've got very special guest Lindsay pearson on the show she is the executive director of the sims And if you guys missed the announcement, The Sims 4 is going back to school with Discover University. They announced this brand new expansion that is coming on November 15th for PC and Mac. And Lindsay did tell us it will be coming to console at a later date. I believe it says, in the press release, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One will be happening on December 17th. So not too far afterwards. So just a little bit of background. Um, The highly anticipated expansion pack introduces a new chapter for Sims where they can enroll in their dream school and take classes in engineering, education or law or decorate their dorm to feel like a home, dabble in extracurricular activities and make everlasting memories with new friends. So this is an expansion that has been talked about for quite a while and the fans of the Sims have been wanting this for a long time and finally it is here. And so uh, we decided to have a little chat with the Sims team and talk to Lindsay about everything that they are doing on this franchise, what they're doing with this expansion, and also about how the Sims and their development team really focuses on making sure that they go out of their way to include diversity. Because inclusion is something that a lot of people are talking about in the video game space, but not a lot of people are actually implementing in a really meaningful way, particularly at a AAA level. And so I'm really glad to see that a publisher as big as Electronic Arts is working with the Sims team to do some cool stuff. And so we had a nice chat. Britt um, was there with me, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy. What's good, everybody? Andrea Renee here with Britt. And we are joined by a very special guest. Ms. Lindsay Pearson is here. She is the executive producer of The Sims, and we are going to be talking about their big announcement. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm super excited
3: to talk about all that we have going on for The Sims.
0: So the last time I think people really saw you uh, Speaking at length about what you guys Were doing with The Sims was back at E3 During EA Play when you unveiled The latest Mm -hmm. expansion that you guys had been working On all about the beach And I really liked uh, the dolphins And all the cool stuff that you guys Mm -hmm. showed off You had that nice uh, deep dive Yeah the mermaids can't forget them (laughs) (laughs) That deep dive uh, Live stream that you guys did at EA Play I'm sorry I couldn't be there I really Wanted to be able to do that myself and have a nice Chat with you but it looked fantastic Fantastic. And you guys did a really cool event back then at E3 with, uh, with Joey Graceffa. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is in case people missed it?
3: Yeah, EA Play was a, was a really fun uh, chance for us to announce a lot of the things that The Sims had been up to. So as you mentioned, we talked about our um, our island pack where people got to play with mermaids and swim with dolphins. We also announced some of the upcoming content in our Moschino pack and even hinted at our magic pack. And then we were able to work with Joey Garsefa to announce the content that was um, developed with It Gets Better, our Pride content. We released a whole suite of Pride content for the game, which was super exciting for us as a team. That came out in uh, June, July across uh, The Sims 4 and The Sims Mobile and Play. And it was a chance for us to just add more content to celebrate more of our audience and really highlight, uh, I don't know, just the, the different types of players that we have and the different types of stories they want to tell, which was pretty cool.
0: No, that's awesome. We did a big thing for Pride as well. We had a bunch of specialty merch that we were selling on behalf of GLAD, um, which does a lot cool. of work in the video game space. And I think that, you know, representation is something that we're hearing more and more people talk about, particularly in Absolutely. video games, because it Kind of has always felt like video games as a media um, source has kind of been behind where TV and films has been, and so uh, I'm really glad that more people are putting it to the forefront. So things like the activation you guys did with Joey was so awesome to see. Such a big company with a brand that's been around for decades saying, "Hey, this is important to us, and we want to make sure that you know we're yeah. putting a lot of energy and effort behind it." So, so kudos to you guys for that. That yeah. was really awesome. Um, But the Sims community has always been a super diverse place. And I think what's interesting about them as a community is that a lot of them don't actually consider themselves to be mainstream gamers in the way that, you know, the conventional wisdom kind of makes us associate the title gamer. Mm. And why do you think that is? What do you think is so unique
3: about Sims players that they kind of have their own their own world? Well, I think The Sims can be so many different experiences for a player. You can be a builder who may not consider that gaming because you're just creating things, right? You're making art. You're making a house. You're making characters. Uh, You could be creating movies and stories, almost like soap operas or uh, novels. And that doesn't necessarily feel like you're playing a game. So I feel like all of these different things might not fit into that stereotypical image of what gaming means. But our players are certainly in The Sims for hours at a time, days at a time, playing just as much as any other gamer might play. Uh, I think it's just that they're like, making something from it, which is kind of incredible. And I love seeing those creations and celebrating all of that um, amazing and just c- ambition and projects that come, come out of the audience. It's things that I didn't know the game could do half the time. <laughs> so it's always just super impressive to see how they use this game as a tool almost and this, this canvas.
0: Britt, you just kind of dipped your toes in The Sims water not that long ago. Um, Did you get the inspiration to maybe go back and try to build something at some point? Yeah. So the whole reason I hopped into The Sims is
1: I've my aunt played it. So all growing up, she always talked about The Sims. And then my very best (laughs) friend who doesn't even play video games loves The Sims. So I always heard about it. I've always dabbled in it with it back on, like, PlayStation 2. And this was mm-hmm. a, a few months back. There's a lot of stressful things going on in my life. And I said, you know what game sounds really cathartic right now that I really have never played? It's The Sims. So I just <laughs> hopped in there. I created a whole bunch of Sims based off of some of my favorite video game characters. And I made, like, a little house. <laughs> I used cheats, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> and well, I, that's totally
3: the right way to play.
1: It's the only way. And I built, like, this bomb house. <laughs> And I just, yeah, I just dived in and I just lost like four or five hours, but lost in a good way because it really, I walked away yeah. feeling super recharged and kind of refreshed and it's just, it's a very cathartic game. It's the kind of game though, yeah. when we're knee deep in review season, I have to kind of try to step away from because otherwise it's going to take my <laughs> whole life.
0: Yeah. I get lost
3: in, get in I a lost. bad way
0: sometimes too. Yeah.
3: But no, I, I have, have that problem. I, <sighs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's been, I been calling to build people's houses.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wait. So is this like a personal passion of yours is to go into other people's Sims worlds and rebuild their houses for them?
3: No, it's actually real life. I like redecorate people's houses that I know. Like my mom wanted to redo her bedroom and I was like, no, 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 let me show you a better way. I'll build it in the game and I'll show you what you should do. Um, so I'll have friends who be like, we need to do something with our kitchen. I'll be like, I got you. I'll show you what you should do. (laughs) So it's, it's a fun way for me to visualize like actual real world design is to jump in the game. It's just easier um and i sort the real world into sims dimensions like that's just how my brain works now so
0: i didn't even think about that as a way to potentially make a legitimate design business be like listen we don't need any of these fancy 3d rendering programs we've already got the sims <laughs> they've got all yeah. of the all of the design stuff right there you can put art on the wall you can pick your furniture it's great And you can have dogs. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to wait for somebody to actually make this a legitimate business where all of their (laughs) interior designs just are made in The Sims. Um, Pro tip, you can cite us as a thank you once you're very successful, whoever's listening, and decides to take this idea and run with it. Just give us like 5%. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about The Sims as a game. Uh, we will be talking about the big announcement that you guys had this week in just a minute, but yeah. um, what I really love about this game is not only is it super fun and has this really diverse uh, player base, but it really kind of allows people to fulfill um, fantasies in a way that very few other games can because it's not just you know one game director's idea of what the player should be. You're really kind of making the sandbox universe that's Really unique, and we rarely see sandboxes that allow people to express themselves in a personal way the way The Sims does. And I was would love to hear from you about you know what are some of your guys's priorities as a team in order to make sure that that continues and that the community is able to use this platform as a means of self expression.
3: Mm-hmm. That's super important to The Sims and has been all along. I think the key for us is to continue to think about the new features we add or the new content we add as sort of colors in your, in your crayon box, right? How do I give you a new, a new way to express yourself in this palette? What is a new, a new system that could let you try something you've never tried before? And it may not be the way that we thought it might be used, but how do we add more options and add more flexibility as much as we can. And I I love that people gravitate to these in totally different ways, right? Some people will respond to a particular new feature because it meant something to them before, or somebody will respond because it's something they want to try or they aspire to accomplish. And both of those experiences can be done in a totally different way from the sort of same set of base content, which is pretty cool. Um, And it's neat to think that this game can could be used to be interpreted uh, for all of those super meaningful and personal things. Um, I think a great example of that, that I remember from Sims four is we were creating um, our second expansion pack and we wanted to create a more European based location, but we didn't want it to be anything in particular. We weren't trying to make the real world, but I was so excited that we had put so much reference and detail and love into creating this world that was European inspired. And we had fans who lived in France who said it reminded them of their their hometown or people who lived in Germany who said it reminded them of their hometown. And it was just really nice to feel like people get this personal connection to this thing that we made, even if it might have just been a particular little piece of art uh, and see that that affiliation was so strong and so, uh, so unique to them. That was pretty cool.
0: That's really fascinating especially since the real world like architectural styles of so many European countries are radically different. The idea that Absolutely. players from different countries could find commonality in something that is purely sins, right? That because yes. it had it, it pulled those design elements um, from different sources is that's really
3: fascinating. And it's, it's on purpose, right? We do a lot of work to put in just enough inspiration and reference or recognizable items from whatever it is that we're looking into. Um, our Island Living Pack was another great example. We looked at a lot of different Polynesian cultures and a lot of different, uh, different references and a lot of different sort of historical elements to try and put together something that was uniquely Sims but could feel like it belonged in these real world places. And, and again, it was so exciting to see people talking about, oh, I recognize that, that, um, that set of spoon and fork that hang on the wall. Or, oh, I recognize this thing over here. Like, Get that little connection means that it makes us feel like we did our job well and that we found a thing that resonated.
0: That's awesome, and must be super rewarding for you guys as a team to go. Yeah, yeah we crushed it. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, you get those moments every so often, and it is it is super cool. And um, you you probably saw our campaign earlier this year. Actually, we had a, a brand new trailer that went out talking about um, how people play the game and what it had meant to them. Not just from the elements I relate to, but how they actually played with different aspects of their life. And as you mentioned a little earlier, how they were able to sort of experiment with different aspects of life and. That was an amazing chance for for us as a team to really see what this game had done for so many different people and, and how they navigated learning something about themselves, whether it was... I need, to, I need to feel like what it would be to be in the world to be my true self. What would that be like? And seeing that The Sims was a safe place to do that. Or I want to try on sort of a different persona and see what that might be like and see what that would be. Um, it's pretty cool that, that we're able to deliver a set of tools that lets people feel that kind of experience in a game.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that, you know, like hats off to you and the team for really making a commitment to not only make that a focus of what you guys are doing from a design perspective, but also like continuing to, you know, iterate on that as well to say like, what's the next thing that we can go after? Because, you know, we were chatting, you know, just before we, you know, started recording about how the idea of inclusivity is this forever chase kind of a concept this idea that, yep. you know, we'll never reach a point where everybody feels included all the time. It's something we have to perpetually work at. And I think mm-hmm. it's great when, you know, you have something like a video game that says we're going to make that part of not only the design aesthetic that is The Sims, but also like we want it to be fun, too. We want it to be like, yeah. make it remind people like this is this is what video games can be and should be. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That is definitely the excitement of the challenge for us is how do we reflect the world of our players and of our audience into the game and bring in these elements and bring in these aspects and honestly celebrate them and then just provide this mirror back to say, yeah, this is, this is how it could be.
0: Well, listen, let's talk about what's new, because we could go on and on (laughs) about all the cool stuff The Sims has done in the past. (laughs) We actually had um, Kelsey and P.G.K. on the show not that long ago, um, who was a big Sims creator who has been doing the 100 Baby Challenge, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Um, (laughs) um, And um, so we're always looking forward to what you guys are doing next. And you guys had this big announcement this week, and you've got a, a brand new expansion on the way. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
3: Yes. Well, we are very, very excited to get to talk about Discover University after so long. Uh, It has been highly, highly anticipated and requested. Um, I think every tweet for the last like three years, it's been the response to (laughs) where's university. So it is very exciting for us to finally get to talk about how we are imagining university for The Sims 4 and what it's going to mean to take your Sims off to this new experience.
0: Do you get to decorate a dorm room? Come on, you do, right? Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> so all about that twin uh, extra long. Deal-
3: <laughs> you also have to deal with roommates, so you have new oh, dynamics no. you have to figure out. Um, we actually have two different universities, which is a first for us, that are somewhat rivals, but, you know, nice rivals uh, that have different focuses for your sims to pursue. And each of them has a different personality, a different a different feel. But they live in this little town of Brightchester. So this little sort of university town that has activities and you can live off campus and on campus, go downtown to do, you know, all the different sort of after school things, meet up with people. Uh, it's going to be a really fun, different take on university than, than we've seen before for the Sims.
1: So, um, so, okay. This is interesting because I've kind of always had a thing for doing school activities and video games. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know why like real life is so much more fun than fake life, but it is so, okay. So your Sim, I'm assuming you take them to their classes and then they study and then you go to keggers. Like what happens? <laughs>
3: Uh, So your sims definitely have to figure out what they're going to focus on, right? They're going to pick a major. They're going to pick an area of study. And then there's different activities they'll be working on to sort of build up to that. So you might be going after engineering and work work with the robotics club, which is going to be sort of a bunch of different things that they can work on and build and construct. And we'll be sharing more of them in the weeks to come for sure. But you might also decide to go um, a different route and work on being um, on the debate teams and sort of getting better at arguing or discussing or presenting your point of view and uh, each of those is going to be that trade between how much am I studying and investing in what I need to do to, per, like, get to my degree or how much am I going to socialize? Um, how much will I go to the, the party off campus or hang out downtown or, um, you know, I don't know, make trouble in my dorm? Any of those things.
0: I <laughs> so, hope jello shots so are in there of- at some point because I feel like that's a staple of college. <laughs> Got to have jello oh, shots. We in did, the,
3: we- in the- <laughs> jello shots and cheap gear. <laughs> um, did bring back. The, uh, the classic juice pong the sims can still play uh, nice. their juice pong very yes. good um, so there's there's some it, it, you would have seen in the trailer there's some great little um, little nods there's some silly pranks your sims can play there's definitely trouble they can get up to um, and definitely some some steamy moments just as much as some silly moments and everyone loves a good oh. yeah <laughs> That's true. I said that in a, in a team meeting once I got a good laugh <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's
0: fantastic. That sounds super fun. College is such a formative (laughs) time for so many people. Um, I mean, particularly people who go right from high school into college. And I even like looking at my own experience in college and how I had an altercation with the girl who lived in the dorm next door to me. And we ended up becoming best friends and she was in my wedding. Uh But like that first time we got into this giant fight because she was trying to nail like decorations into the wall of the dorm and i i think i was just having a bad day and so i like go over and I knock on her door and i'm like listen you know that's against the rules you're oh not my allowed God. to put nails in the walls didn't you read the handbook and like it this, was the handbook <laughs> oh you nerd into the whole. i was i was the biggest school nerd it's true yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, college. College. Um, I'm super excited for this. Um, I think a lot of people out there, as you had mentioned, are anxiously awaiting. uh, When can people get their hands on this expansion?
3: So the Sims 4 Discovery University is coming to PC on November 15th. And then it's coming to consoles December 17th, I want to say. Um, and we'll be releasing a lot more information in the weeks to come. So definitely keep up with our twitters and live streams. We'll we'll be sending all sorts of cool things, um, and uh, a lot of the team will be sharing a lot more sort of behind the scenes information and little little you know Easter eggs and whatnot. So
0: awesome! Some some juice pong pro tips.
3: <laughs> um, Liz, is there yeah, anything else that you would? If-
0: Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just going to ask Fair if enough. there was anything else that you wanted to um, to mention before we sign off about The Sims and the kind of culture that you guys have at your studio and really the Sims community at large?
3: No, I mean, I'm just super excited about where The Sims is right now. I mean, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary for The Sims 4, which is pretty incredible, but I feel like we have more to do now than ever. Uh, there are so many more things we want to add and things we want to keep growing. And we've had a big year. We just released Magic not that long ago in the realm of magic pack, we've got university coming up. There's a lot of cool things that uh, that the Sims has going on. And um, yeah, I just thanks to our players for continuing to give us great ideas and making such amazing content and inspiring us. And yeah, let's just uh, keep having fun with it. We got lots more to come.
0: The world of the Sims is never ending, Brittany. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> that we gotta get sure. in there and build the dorm together. It'll be fun. Oh boy.
1: We could be dormies. We could be roommates, (laughs) Britt. It's like, I value our friendship. I don't know if we want to do that. (laughs) Touche. That's a fair point.
0: Uh, Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for telling us about your brand new expansion that's coming up. It was good to see you. Um, And we'll look forward to uh, November 15th. And welcome back, everybody. We just wanted to say thank you again to Lindsay for giving us a little bit of her time. Um, One more time, The Sims... University Pack. Discover University is available on November 15th for PC and Mac and December 17th for PS4 and Xbox One. Get your juice pong on. <laughs> do, all the, do all the woohoo in the dorm rooms. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, a- No adults. <laughs> actually, I actually don't know how the woohoo is going to work. There, there do aren't they age have rest- rest- woohoo? I don't yeah, know. There's age fashion. restrictions on woohoo, is there?
2: Yes. You have to be an adult. Oh, well then they probably won't be able to have woo-hoo I don't know in the if dorms. I don't know if the if the um huh, people in college are point. classified as adult or not. I don't know if the minute you're, mm. you switch over to adult you're fine.
0: See, this is the this is the deep questions that we should have asked Lindsay about that I just I spaced uh, on.
1: Yeah, I'm like trying to google this, but I'm not don't know if I can get my answer. Sims University woohoo or Discover University woohoo things I did not know I'd ever Googled. Well, <laughs>
0: well listen you'll be able to try it out for yourself let us know if you're going to be able to have some woohoo in discovery university uh and that's going
1: to do it for the show this week oh did you find an answer i see something in a a screenshot caption this is later on we see two sims entering a shower out in the open to woohoo Ooh, so i don't i don't know that's that's totally but that's what it says so dang
2: go on through if not you can always mod it on PC. Ah.
0: <laughs> see, right. there you go. College, a time of exploration and modding. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for the show this week. One more time. Please come see us in Fargo. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. We're going to be doing silly stuff and having a good time raising money for kids. Um, and if you can't be there, please join the stream from 12 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Excuse me, 12 to 6 p.m. Central Time. That would be 10 to 4 Pacific. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys. We'll give you a nice recap. Um, uh, Rihanna Manuel is going to be a guest on the show next week since timer will be out. Uh, we're going to talk about um, everything that we did there and talk about some games we're playing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Until then, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>